0: All right, let's open our Bibles for a few minutes to the book of Psalms, and after you find the book of Psalms, if you'll turn to Psalm 85, Psalm 85, and while you're turning there, we'll dismiss the children up through age eight, up through age eight for Children's Church, and while you're turning to Psalm 85, and the children are going to Children's Church, let me mention also concerning our week of revival meetings next week, that we are planning to have a children's church each night. I believe the evangelist wife will take care of that, but we could always use a helper each night and also help in the nursery during those evening services. If you'd like to help us in any of those areas, at least one night next week, if you'll let us know, it would certainly be appreciated. Psalm 85. I mentioned that on the church sign, it mentions something about revival services. When you mention the subject of revival, for some of us, especially in the Old Testament, uh, two passages of Scripture immediately come to mind. One is Psalm 85, and the other one is 2 Chronicles 7.14. 2 Chronicles 7.14 says, If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves... And pray and seek my face and and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. That's a mighty good promise from God, isn't it? And here in Psalm 85 and verse 6, the people cry out to God with this question. Psalm 85 and verse 6. Wilt thou not revive us again that thy people may rejoice in Thee. Wilt Thou not revive us again, that Thy people may rejoice in Thee? Let's pray together. Our Father, we pray as we look into Your Word today that the Holy Spirit perhaps will remind us of things that we've been taught before, maybe help us to understand them a little better and apply them to our lives. Maybe we'll have some new insight into Your Word today. And so from the youngest child to the oldest adult today, God, we pray that the Holy Spirit will do what we cannot do, humanly speaking, and take your word and minister to each of our hearts and lives, and we'll thank you and praise you in Jesus' name, amen. Sometimes we say, and you've heard this before, that revival is not for lost people. Lost people don't need to be revived, they need to be resurrected, they need to be born again, they need to be regenerated. And I understand that, but we call that evangelism, and certainly evangelism is a part of revival. The word revived here in Psalm 85 verse 6 simply means it comes from a word which means life, to put life into and uh, and we realize that a man needs to be saved, he needs to be born again, he needs to be regenerated by the Holy Spirit. And so sometimes we talk about a revival, sometimes we say, well, they're ha- they are having an evangelistic meeting, and the emphasis is on getting the lost saved. And then we say, well, we're, we're, we use these words, terms interchangeably. We say, well, we're having a revival meeting. Well, that's not just for Christians. We want lost people to come and hear. So we kind of mix it all together, don't we? But we understand that that the lost need to be saved, and God's people on a repeated basis. It's not just a one-time thing. Salvation's a one-time eternal experience, but we often need revival, don't we? The Bible speaks of a national revival, and. Uh, uh, Historians tell us, I'm speaking church historians, that even in the history of our nation, approximately 250 years, there's probably been two major national spiritual awakenings or spiritual revivals in America. God knows we desperately need one today, don't we? And the question's always asked, can there really be another national revival in America, as sinful and wicked as we are? Well, I'd like to think as long as God's on the throne, anything's possible, amen? But I don't have the answer to that, only God knows whether there's ever going to be another real national spiritual revival or awakening in America. I know if God wants it to happen, it can happen. There can be a local revival, sometimes local communities. Whether there's ever a national revival in America, did you know Sturges draft can have the hand of God upon it? There can be a revival breakout in Augusta County. And whether there's ever a local spiritual revival, I'm going to tell you something. You can have one in your heart and life. There's such a thing as an individual revival, amen? And a family revival. Now, I want you to notice in this verse, the, the, the word revival there has to do with a, just to simply summarize it, a renewed spiritual interest, a In applying it to us as born again Christians, uh, sometimes we're going to see the word captivity used here in this song. And sometimes it can be literal captivity. Sometimes we can just be taken captive by the problems and trials of life and we become despondent. Sometimes we just get used, I mentioned the word rut. Last Sunday, my pastor used to say, "Getting in a rut is like being in a grave with both ends kicked out. You're worthless. You're good for nothing." And uh, so there's apathy. Sometimes our hearts can grow cold, and and we talk about revival. And then, yes, sometimes we even as Christians fall into sin, and and we're we're trapped, and we're, we're we're some habit of life, and and we need God. We don't have to get saved over and over again, but we need God to revive us, and. Turn us around and bring us back to Him and rekindle the fires and, and renew that spirit of, of, of spiritual interest and concern and burden in our hearts and lives. Is that not true? And that can happen <clears throat> repeatedly over and over again in our lives individually as well as families and local communities. And would to God, wouldn't it be wonderful to see a revival break out across America and see God bring America back to God Uh, One more time, amen, before the Lord comes back. But I want you to notice in verse 6 of this psalm that revival is God's work. Now we can do our part. We can pray. We we can do the human part of it. But the Bible says the people cried out to God in Psalms 85 verse 6 and I underline thou, the pronoun thou. Well, thou, they realize and acknowledge that only God can do anything spiritually. We can get our emotions stirred. We can get a crowd of people together. By the way, the ungodly can get a crowd of people. Matter of fact, the ungodly can do a better job than you and I can get in a crowd of people together, can't they? Sure they can. But only God can do anything spiritually in someone's heart and life. And so they cried out to God, God, wilt thou not revive us again? That thy people, thy people it's god's people and by the way god's always had a remnant now again the lost need to be saved and that can be a result if revival breaks out in my heart and life one of the results of that is i'm going to be more burdened and concerned and involved in getting the gospel out to lost people you can't separate the two but it's god's people that need to be revived amen it's you and me as christians god wilt thou not revive us again that thy people may rejoice in thee. Revival is God's work. It's for God's people. And would you notice, it's for God's glory. Wilt thou not revive us again, that thy people may rejoice in thee? I like that word rejoice there. Because you see, that's me. That your people may rejoice in thee. You know, it is true sometimes that, and we don't mean to, maybe we slip into it, and every one of us at times, we're more focused on the blessings than we are the blesser. Is that not true? And sometimes God has to remind us, it's great to be thankful for God's goodness and God's grace and all the material and physical and spiritual, even the gift of salvation. All these blessings are wonderful. And yes, to in a sense, we rejoice in all of God's blessings. But ultimately, the goal is that I not just rejoice in the blessings, but I rejoice in the blesser. Amen. Revive us, O oh God, that once again we may rejoice in what? Not what, but who? Rejoice in God that we might rejoice. Paul put it this way in the book of Romans, Romans chapter 5, the first few verses, he talks about the wonderful privilege of being saved and justified and having your sins forgiven and, 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 and from God's perspective been declared justified and righteous. And down at the end of those verses, he said, oh, that we, we joy in our God. We joy in our God. We joy in the blesser. I was over it by Wanda Blackard's house one day this week to pick up some something that she donated to the church, and she happened to be sitting out on her front porch. And I've seen on Facebook where she enjoys sitting there, looking out over the mountains and looking down over the uh, the Ambler farmstead there and all that, and enjoying it. And so I just took a moment to sit down there on her porch for a few minutes looking out over the mountains, and man, I love God's creation, don't you? Now, I've never done any hunting. I've never, didn't grow up around it. I'm a, hey, I, I'm all for it, but I'll tell you what, I could spend all day out in the woods, and the mountains, just enjoying God's creation, and we sat there on her front porch, and I was looking out and looking at some of those scenes I'd seen on her Facebook page my wife had shared with me, but you know what? I wasn't... Can I rejoice in the mountains and the trees and the beautiful... Boy, this is a beautiful time of year. Yes, but most of all, it's reminding me of the Creator, amen. I'm rejoicing. You know what revival is? Revival is simply turning me back to God. Now, it may be turning my focus away from the blessings of God. It may even be turning me away from some sin in my life that's taken advantage of me and I've caved into. But it's turning me away from whatever it is that's taken first place in my heart and life and reminding me that God gets the preeminence, amen. And of utmost, I rejoice in Him. And you know what? When everything's okay between God and I, everything else will fall in place, won't it? Now, we need to be reminded of our Christian privileges. We need to be reminded of all of our Christian responsibilities and all that. But you know what? All of that isn't going to amount to anything if everything isn't okay between me and my Heavenly Father. That's what revival's all about. Now, look at this psalm with me as we go down through here and just mention a few things. First of all, in the first three verses, the psalmist, is he remembers, he looks back. And he says, God, we remember what you've done in the past. Maybe for us, maybe for our parents, maybe for our forefathers. And look at the first three verses of this psalm. Lord, thou hast, that's past tense, thou hast been favorable unto thy land. Now the psalmist, of course, is approaching this from a national perspective. And we need to be concerned about our nation. And I'll tell you what, no politician, no preacher, no evangelist, no group of Christians are going to bring about a revival. Now, we can do our part. We can pray. Someone said Someone said that, uh, that there, there, there would never be a revival as long as God's people are more concerned about comfort than paying the cost. There's a cost to pay. Amen. But if God can get a hold of our hearts to where we can, are willing to forfeit some of our comforts, and pay the price and the cost and pray and agonize somebody said if we spent half the the time agonizing as we do organizing in Christianity maybe we could move the hand of God and see something happen but these people realized as the psalmist said Lord thou hast been favorable unto thy land that's what revival is it's God's hand of blessing upon things thou hast been favorable into thy land thou hast brought back The captivity of Jacob. Now what captivity the psalmist had in mind there, I don't know. All the Bible experts disagree on that, so we'll let them fight that out. Hey, Israel went through a lot. They were in Egypt. They were in captive to the Assyrians, the Babylonians, to the Philistines. You go read the book of Judges, they went through cycles. They would backslide and get away from God as a people, and God would put them under servitude for so many years and then they'd finally after they had been whipped enough they'd cry out to god and god would send a samson in or or a, a gideon in and, and deliver them and then they would they would serve god for so long and then go right back into sin and god would put them in captivity again and and, and after they had been spanked long enough they'd finally cry out to god by the way to some degree haven't we all experienced that We have a heavenly father that loves us too much to let us have our way sometimes. And so here the psalmist says, Lord, thou hast been favorable unto the land. Thou hast brought back the captivity of Jacob. Thou hast forgiven the iniquity of thy people. Thou hast covered all their sin. Now, by the way, we're not talking about the world now. We're not talking about lost people. I'm talking to myself today. Revival is for God's people. Lord, you've forgiven me of my sin. Verse 3, thou hast taken away all thy wrath. Thou hast turned thyself from the fierceness of thine anger. You know what the word fierceness there in verse 3 implies? Intensity. Someone worded it this way. Something that's waxing hot. You know, the other day I was going somewhere in my car and I heard something thought of a verse of scripture and i thought you know what many times in my life as a pastor in teaching and preaching i've said something like this you don't have to be afraid of god and sometimes i would illustrate it this way you don't have to be afraid of the state trooper unless you're breaking the law (laughs) thank god that state trooper is out there but if you're breaking the law then you better be afraid to pay the consequences. And all of a sudden I realized, you know what? I think maybe, maybe with all good intentions, we've taught our children and we've taught our young people as believers and as Christians, and we've put so much emphasis on the fact that you don't have to be afraid of God that we've sort of gotten lopsided. Did you know the writer of the book of Hebrews said, it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God, amen. Now, if God is real, and He is, amen, and He's the only true and living God, I'm going to tell you what, I better be, not, hey, out of reverence to God, fear of God, and we, we sometimes in, in our culture, in our society, in the past years of Christianity in America, we have so overly emphasized God's mercy and God's grace and God's forgiveness. I remember talking to someone one time who was living, a, a believer, a born again man, who was living in sin, and his attitude was, "Well, God will forgive me. Well, God will forgive me. And oh, sure, God will. God, God will forgive us if. Hey, thank God for God's forgiveness. If we confess our sins and own up to it, yes, thank God for that. But it's almost like we can just take things so just nonchalant, just, oh, well, God's merciful, God's grace. And yes, but there are consequences. There are consequences. And here, so, well, we're in the Old Testament. I want to tell you what, Jehovah God of the Old Testament is the God, the true and living God of the day. It's our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, isn't it? And you see, sometimes revival is God getting a hold of us and shaking us and saying, hey, what are you watching? What was your thought life, your dishonesty, your bitterness, your pride, whatever it is, whatever those sins are in our lives as God's people that God puts his finger on. Now, sometimes it may be that it's the blessings of God, it's the goodness of God that we're so wrapped up in and, and the comforts of God's blessings that as the writer of the book of Revelation writing to the Ephesians church there in the first couple of chapters of Revelation said you've lost your first love. There's always something in all of our lives, whether it's good or evil or whatever it may be, that God sometimes has to rattle our cage and turn us away from and turn us back to himself. It's a ministry of turning. And sometimes we forget and need to be reminded, as the psalmist reminds us in Psalm 85 and verse 3, that God thou hast turned thyself from the fierceness of thine anger. Let me ask you a question, and will you be honest with yourself? Is God upset with you about anything today? Is God upset with me about anything? You say, Well, my heavenly Father loves me. Well, you know what? We love our children, we love our grandchildren. And sometimes you get upset with them because it's not because you cease loving them, you know. Word that particular thing's going to lead them, and the consequences of it, there is such a thing as a righteous indignation. Are you with me this morning? And I asked you a question this morning, and I ask myself this question: Is everything okay between the Father and I? Is there something God's a little upset with me about this morning? And I need you know isn't that the beginning of the revival? What does that Second Chronicles 7, 14 say again? If my people which are called by my name shall what? Humble themselves. Wow, pride's a terrible thing, isn't it? And by the way, every age deals with it. Children. I thought this week, we've raised five kids. We've got a, two or three grandchildren. <laughs> and... Uh, some pictures come to my mind. And, uh, I remember sometimes uh, our kids, and I've seen this happen in some of our grandkids' lives, they will be playing and maybe they'll stumble and fall or they'll drop off the tree limb or something, you know. Fortunately, they're not hanging too high. And they'll... You ever see a child and they, they, they skin their knee just enough to where it's painful, but it hurts their pride more than their knee? and And... and you catch their facial expressions, and it, it's sort of halfway between a laugh and a cry. They they want to laugh, not show their pain, but they 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 want to cry, but they're too proud. And then I've even seen them do this: I meant to do that. <laughs> now you know you, you, your heart. You, you, you don't. You see, doubt. You know what? Not only is their pride hurt, but they just lied. <laughs> no kid meant to fall down Skinny's knee. Isn't that something? By the way, teenagers, we have a problem with pride sometimes. Adults, we all deal with that, don't we? We really do. And if my people shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face, that's a turning back to God, isn't it? Seeking God. Remember, in the first verse of this psalm, he said, Lord, thou hast been favorable. Oh, that's what it means to seek the face of God. God, we want... Look, look, God, you know, it's not just the ice cream cone. It's not just God taking me fishing. My dad... But dad, I want to see your face. Mom, I want to see your face. I want that communion and fellowship with you and seek your hand to blessing in your favor. Now, if my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my faith and turn from their wicked ways. And here's God's promise. Then will I listen and hear from heaven and will forgive your sin. What? No, <laughs> It's their sin, God. It's those reprobates out there. It, it, no, God said, I will forgive your sin and will heal your land. Folk, it has to start with you and me, doesn't it? It has to start with you and me. Now, very quickly, let me finish reading this psalm. Look at verse 4. Turn us, turn us, O God. That's what revival is. Turning. Turn us, O God, of our salvation. And the word salvation there has to do with deliverance. Now, every time I see the word salvation in the Bible, I automatically think of being born again, regenerating, trusting Christ. But sometimes the word salvation is just used in a general way. It just means, what is it that Frank Hall needs to be delivered from today? Is is it his rotten, selfish pride? Is it that he just gets in a rut sometimes and all of a sudden people say, well, I'd I'd love to be a pastor, you know, and, and just serve God. Well, did you know being a pastor can become a rut just like going to the factory on Monday morning? You know, putting sermons together and... Sunday school lessons together and going and visiting, if I'm not careful, can just get boring and routine and just like you going to your job during the week sometimes. It really can. And, 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 and whatever it is that God's dealing with, what is it that I need to be delivered from? What is it that God needs to turn me from and turn me back to Him? Turn us, O God, of our deliverance, and cause thine anger toward us to cease. Wilt thou be angry with us forever? Wilt thou draw out thine anger to all generations? And I'm emphasizing this today for this reason. It's much easier for me to stand up here and say... Talk about the fierceness, the righteous indignation of God on those who are promoting abortion and and murdering babies and and promoting homosexuality and same-sex marriage. And we say, oh God, when are you going to drop the hammer? Oh God, your wrath is coming, the fierceness of God's wrath. And never take a moment to say, God, and I'll put it very lightly, is there anything in my life that you're upset with? that you're righteously indignated about. Oh God, didn't the psalmist say in another place, God, search me and try me and see if there be any wicked way in me. And then the psalmist goes on to say, verse 7, Show us thy mercy, O Lord, and grant us thy salvation. I will hear, I will listen, I will hear what God the Lord will speak, for he will speak peace unto his people and to his saints. But let them not turn again to folly. You know what the word folly there means? Silliness. Silliness. You know, when you stop and think about it. Um, And by the way, you notice he said in verse 6 Wilt thou not revive us? And what's the next word? Again, and again, and again, and again. Sometimes it may be daily. And then there are times in your life as a Christian where you realize, Lord, I've just, I've just gotten in a rut. Church is just routine. Yeah, I know they're having another evangelistic meeting, another series of revival meetings, another evangelist in town. We'll just let you know. And if I can make it out a night or two, so what? And we can slip into those attitudes, can't we? And we draw nigh to God with our mouth, but our heart is far from it. And over and over again, we need God to get a hold of our hearts and turn us from and turn us to and rekindle that fire and and remind us of how important it is to put Him first place and to see His smile. Turn us again. And the word folly there in verse 8, and not turn again to folly yourself. How silly it is how silly it is for me as a child of God to live my life for anything other than the glory of Jesus Christ. And really how silly and how foolish it is for me to condone whatever sin or whatever God puts his finger on in my life, whether it be laziness or pride or selfishness and on and on and on I could go. When you really stop and think about it, Just putting it very lightly, it's pretty silly, isn't it? As a matter of fact, Jesus used some pretty strong language even with his disciples on occasion. He said, thou fool, you're foolish. It's absolutely foolish sometimes. And that's why we need revival, isn't it? That's why we need God to speak to our hearts. And may we like the psalmist in verse 8 who said, I will hear what God the Lord will speak. Let me ask you a question this morning. Children, teenagers, mom and dad, grandpa, grandma, am I willing to hear what the Holy Spirit of God wants to speak to my heart and my life about? God, turn us back to you. Am I willing to hear and listen? to what God's speaking to me about as an individual Christian. You know what? Revival, and God works in most unlike... Teenagers, listen, did you know you go back and read some of the local revivals that have broken out in America and other parts of the world? Did you know many times it was a teenager? It was a young person. I know I pick on our teenagers sometimes, and I shouldn't do it and talk about how crazy they are and you know, they're trying in that twilight zone, you know, and all and so forth. Just, just be patient, Mom and Dad. Uh, you know, they'll grow out of it. They won't stay that way. But you know what? A lot of revivals. God, God can get a hold of the heart of a child. God can get a hold of the heart of a teenager. And by the way, you may be the oldest person here today with the most feeble body. And I don't limit God. God works in mysterious ways. A revival could start in the heart of some child, some teenager, some mom or dad, some grandpa or grandma at Valley Baptist Church. Revival. And whether it ever spreads or not, you could experience individual revival in your own life and in your marriage and in your home. And if if there's ever going to be another national revival... It's got to start somewhere. It's got to start somewhere. And it could begin with you. It could have been in Augusta County. It's going to begin somewhere. And so where do we start? Where do we start? I start right here. And say, God, I'm willing to listen and hear. Lord, wilt thou not revive us again? That thy people may have all of our needs met. Continue to enjoy all the abundant blessings that we've enjoyed in America. Now those are worthy things. That my grandchildren may continue to enjoy all the blessings that I've enjoyed for almost 70 years now. Those are worthy things, aren't they? No, wilt thou not revive us again that we might rejoice in thee, O God. That you may be honored and glorified. And exalted. That's the bottom line to all of it, isn't it? Let's pray together. Father, speak to our hearts today. Lord, I know that the writer of Hebrews said, Lord, your word is sharper than a two edged sword, it can split us open, cut us to the marrow of our bones. Lord, we call that spiritual surgery. We've just had folk in our church going through surgery. We've got folk who are scheduled for surgery. And surgery is something, Lord, we don't look forward to. We don't like. We don't even want to think about it. And God, today, I hope you can take your word and do spiritual surgery on us. And as the psalmist said, Lord, search us and try us. And I pray for the youngest child or the oldest adult here today that you'll help each one of us to be open and honest with you. May we be willing to listen as the Holy Spirit works in our hearts during the days of this week and through the revival services next week. And Lord, may revival break out in our hearts and lives. Turn us, O oh God. Turn us back to you, away from the things of this world. and Perhaps the things that have caused our heart to grow cold. Help our Christianity to be real, O God. Rekindle the fires of devotion and love and commitment and concern. And God, may we all know what it is to have a taste of spiritual revival in our hearts and lives. And we'll thank you and praise you, O God, for what you can do and only you can do in each of our hearts and lives. We'll thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. While heads are bowed and eyes are closed, would you stand with me quickly? I appreciate your patience. The choir reminded us only by the blood this morning. If you're here today and you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ is your Savior, yes, it's true. You you need a resurrection. You need a regeneration. You need a new birth. You need to be saved. And while the pianist plays softly on the piano, here's what I want you to do. If you're here today and you're not 100% sure that Jesus Christ is your Savior, would you step out to the nearest aisle? If you're here today and and you really realize that we're dealing with an absolutely holy, righteous God. And the psalmist even mentioned the fierceness of his anger, his righteous indignation. The only thing I can imagine that would keep you from coming to Christ today is that old rotten, stinking pride. We all deal with it, don't we? Would you be willing to humble your heart before God? And walking down this aisle will not save you. It might humble you before God. God resists the proud and gives His grace to the humble. It will give someone an opportunity to take a Bible and show you how to be saved. God can forgive you of your sins and heaven will be your home. And you can be delivered from an eternity in hell. that's your need today, would you come to Christ right now? Come to Jesus. And dear Christians, in the closing seconds of this service, I ask each one of us this. Will you just say, Lord, will you help me like the psalmist to say, Lord, I will hear. I will hear what you say to me today, tomorrow, the days to come. Lord, tune my ear toward you. Turn me toward you, O God. O Holy Spirit. Yes, we'd love to see America come back to you. We'd love to see... our. Real spiritual awakening, revival break out. But God, it has to begin with me, in my heart. Lord, I'm listening to you. Turn us, oh God, turn us back to you. Have thy will and way in our hearts and mind. Start a revival in my heart and my life. Master Pianist, to play one more verse, if we can help you any way at all, whatever the need may be on your heart today, if we can help you with it, you come right now.